Okay, hey, FBG Youth Ministry family. Uh, this week's podcast is a little bit different. Um, we actually had some trouble getting the computers to recognize the recording device that we use to record our, our message at the in the Parenting Teens class on Sundays and Collide on Wednesdays. And so uh, because I recorded to that device instead of an SD card within the device, um, we're kind of stuck right now. So um, in lieu of a traditional message that you would hear in the podcast, you're going to get a little bit of a synopsis of what we covered in both the Parenting Teens class as well as Collide on Wednesday night with students. So we are in the third session of our Lifeline series. And in this series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at the way Jesus interacted with people as a reflection of the way God wants to interact with people as well as God wants us to interact with one another. And so one of the things we have emphasized throughout the series is that every time we see Jesus interact with a person, it is God himself interacting with people. And every time we see Jesus interact with people, it is a representation of the true man, the way man was designed to be, to interact with one another. And so we looked at a couple of different stories in session one, session two, as far as how Jesus interacted. And in session three, which was this past week, we look at another story of Jesus interacting with people that he loved very, very dearly. Now, in this one, we're in John chapter 11. And if you're familiar with this part of Jesus' ministry, Jesus is in one place and his friends Mary and Martha send to him saying that his one of his close friends, Lazarus, is sick. And so when Jesus hears this news that his friend Lazarus is sick, rather than getting up immediately, he actually stays where he's at two more days. And one of the interesting parts in this is that it, the, the scripture says in John 11 that he stays where he's at because he loves them. Now, the disciples who were around Jesus at the time hear this invitation to go to Judea to go heal Lazarus, and they have some thoughts of their own. And the thought that is prevailing in their mind is not that, they, that Jesus would go perform a miracle, but that if Jesus goes there, he's going to his death. You see, the, the people that were there, the religious leaders, um, they had tried to stone Jesus, try to kill him the last time he was there, and were really just waiting for an opportunity for him to return and then kind of finish out their original plan to kill him. And so the disciples around him were like, hey, I mean, if you go, like, just know that you're going to die. And Jesus says, well, I mean, okay, a couple things. Number one, um, this illness for for Lazarus is not going to end in death. It's actually going to end in God's glory. And um, I'm, I'm going to go. And so Thomas, one of the disciples, says, okay, if, if, if he's going to go, then we're going to go with him. But we're not just going to go with him like to be beside him. We're going to go with him to die with him. And so in this, in this story, we see this incredible picture of Jesus being willing to go into a situation that might cost him his life for the sake of a friend. In addition to that, we see even his own disciples rally around him so that Jesus wouldn't have to die alone. So taking a step back and looking at our own situation, thinking through uh, what we're, we really want our students to, to wrestle with, uh, is that, that the best friends you have, those people that you surround yourself with, those that we would call godly friends, are people that will never leave you all alone. People that in the midst of pain, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of any tragedy in your life, 
that even if they don't have the right words to say, even if they can't fix the situation, even if it's awkward or it's tension-filled, that, that those people will still be with you and they will not leave you all alone. And so as the story progresses, Jesus does end up going uh, to see his friend Lazarus. But what happens is while he's on his way, uh, he's met by one of the sisters. And she says, hey, Jesus, if, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. You see, Lazarus died prior to Jesus' arrival. And so while the disciples thought he was going to heal Lazarus and the people had asked him to come heal Lazarus, Jesus actually allowed Lazarus to die. But there had to be a reason for it. There had to be some rationale behind why Jesus would let Lazarus die. And Jesus gives us that rationale. He said, no, I, I, I delayed. I let this happen so that God would be glorified. You see, there was, there was something operating in Jesus' mind that there's, there's a bigger picture than the healing of one man. There's something more that these people need to understand. And so Jesus allows Lazarus to die so that his friends his disciples, and the Jews that were around could actually see that there's something more happening than just one illness. And so Jesus looks at his friend Martha and says, Martha, do you believe that I, that, that in the resurrection, do you believe that Lazarus will rise again? And she says, yeah, of course I believe that Lazarus will rise again on the last day. I mean, and so what Martha does is she, she kind of talks about within Jewish theology this idea uh, that at the last day, God's children would be raised again. And so she says, yeah, I, I know my brother's dead. And I know eventually one day out there, far down the road, in a day that's so far away that we can't even imagine it, we just live our day-to-day life thinking that, yeah, it's out there somewhere, but it doesn't really impact today. Someday, he'll rise again. And, and Jesus looks at her and says, well, I am the resurrection and the life. And he makes this statement to Martha, saying that thing that's way out there, that's so big, that's going to impact all of eternity for all of those people, that thing that that your faith in the Lord hinges on, the fact that he has power over death and one day will reunite all of his children, that thing that you think is forever away is actually right in front of you. And so he goes to the grave of Lazarus. Having, having told her, having told others that he is the resurrection. And when he gets there, um, there's so much emotion going on. There are people there mourning. There's, there's Jesus himself who is experiencing the emotion of seeing people who should know why he's there, not knowing and, and possibly even empathizing with their situation as far as the feelings of, of sadness for death. And in this incredible moment, Jesus calls out to God, prays to him that the Lord would have that God would have power and bestow power on him to enable Lazarus to rise from the dead. And, and Jesus even says, look, I, I'm saying this out loud, not for my benefit, because I already believe that you can do these things, God, but I, I'm saying it out loud so that people around here will actually realize what's going on, that God himself has empowered the resurrection of the dead. And so Jesus goes to the tomb and calls Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And all the people are like, no, 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 like he's, he's been dead for four days. He's got a smell. He's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And so Lazarus rises from the dead, comes out, and Jesus has him unbound because he's all wrapped up in, in different cloths trying for the burial. So he comes out. And the awesome thing that happens is that many people believed 
in Jesus at that point. So a couple of things that we talked about with our students is the question, number one, do you believe? And so when, when Jesus looks at Martha and says, I am the resurrection of the life, I am the Messiah, do you believe this? Martha answered, yes, I do, I do believe. The, the question our students have to answer, the question we all have to answer is, do we actually believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one sent from God for the salvation of this world? And so we gave students an opportunity to respond. We have a few baptisms that are really exciting that have come from conversations this past Wednesday night. And so um, over the next few weeks, we'll be scheduling those baptisms out, and we'll have an opportunity to celebrate those as a youth ministry at large. And so we're, we're really excited for that because some students from our group have answered that question. I would say others in our group are still wrestling with that question. And so if you're a parent or a small group leader listening to this, I, I would just encourage you to have some meaningful conversations this week individually. You know, there's one thing for the all-call, you know, kind of invitation where there's 170 people in the room or so, and you're like, okay, if anybody wants to come talk about Jesus, come talk. And for a lot of students, that's a little bit daunting. But those individual conversations are incredibly important. Some of the other things that we really want to emphasize and we'll we'll, um, focus on within small groups on Sunday is the fact that that we need those types of friends around us, and we need to be those types of friends who never leave people all alone. And so when it comes to Jesus' actions, he was very aware of what the need was. And it was kind of this twofold need. Yeah, there was this surface need of the illness, uh, like Lazarus needed healing. But there was a much deeper need, and, and that much deeper need was the fact that Lazarus Um, and Mary and Martha and all the Jews around and all of his disciples needed to believe that Jesus was truly the Messiah and needed to find salvation through that. And so he was aware of the need. And then he met the need. It was awesome. He was willing to meet the need in the very specific way that it was needed. The the third part of, of being aware of a need and meeting a need is that willingness to pay the price. You see, Jesus ends up um, running into confrontation after raising Lazarus from the dead and has to um, move out of the spotlight once again because people were coming for him and it was not his time to die yet. But eventually what you would see in Jesus is his ability to fulfill his mission of bringing life to the world would eventually lead to his death. And so this incredible moment where he turns his eyes towards Jerusalem later on and he basically fortifies himself to go to the grave. And so as friends, as as people that want to live lovingly, that want to uh, have relationships that are deep, we need to prepare ahead of time to pay whatever price it is that our people need, that our people need us to pay uh, in order for their needs to be met. And so as, as a family in small groups, I really encourage us to pray through the readiness of our hearts to pay whatever price. One of the things that is so consistent within the Christian walk is that Christianity is a call to sacrifice. It is a call to give of yourself for the sake of others. It's modeled by Jesus in his death, but it's lived out in the daily discipleship of believers all across the world, and it has been for hundreds of years. And so we, we know that Christianity is a religion, is a, is a belief that calls us to sacrifice 
But one of the awesome parts of Christianity that is modeled by Jesus was lived out by the early disciples, the early church, and all Christianity throughout, even to today, is that those sacrifices that people make in the name of Jesus are always worth it. Every single time. We may not see the fruit of it immediately, but we know that in faith, any labor that we do, any sacrifice we make in the name of the Lord is always worth it.